Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey, y'all, we have Kimberly Eclipse here today. I can't wait for you to hear her story. Kimberly is super cool. She's taught psychology. Um, mm-hmm. She's been a mental health counselor. She's done grief counseling for kids. She is a writer. And now she has she's branching into the entrepreneurial world of, I'll let her explain. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy to hear your lovely voice. We were just talking about that <laughs> before recording. I love how you say my name. Sorry if I introduce me everywhere it. I go. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so I just started Sibby Threads, which is um, basically a t-shirt club um, for siblings, for young oh, siblings. So basically it. I set I sell um, shirts that are coordinated for your young children, but not matching. And that way we can emphasize that your children want to feel unique Mm -hmm. um, from each other, but also feel united as a team. They're so cute, y'all. You have to go to her website, sibbythreads.com and check it out. And you can sign up for like a monthly or maybe quarterly subscription, right, Kimberly? Yes, that's right. So if you just plug in your email, then we'll let you know when that launches. That is so cool. How did you even come up? Well, I'll let you back up and tell us because I know you've done a lot of different things and you're not very old either. So (laughs) I'm impressed you've done so much. Um, I think I might be older than I look (laughs) just because I'm Filipino. So I have this baby face. I'm basically like Yoda. Yeah, you I have, have a no baby, round baby face, but I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. You, so when you graduated, what did you think you were going to do? How did you think you were going to spend your career? So, you know, it's funny when you're 18 and you're just trying to imagine what you might like and what you might fit into. It's actually quite a task that we give 18 year olds when they're choosing a college major, right? right? Uh, it's crazy. You know, without life experience, you know, how do you know? And then you spend so much money in that world experimenting. Uh-huh. So um, it's, it's a lot of pressure, but at the time I chose to go into education, into teaching. I wanted to teach high school. Yeah. And so I started off as a science education major, which would have been really cool if I could teach science and my last name being Eclipse, <laughs> that would be cool. Um, I, and I wanted to teach earth science actually, That's funny. Um, but then what's crazy is once I started my undergrad education, 
I totally flunked out of my science course oh, no. and I just found college level science. <laughs> yeah, I found college level science so much more challenging than at the high school level. So I switched over to English education um, because that was just a little more suited to my natural mm-hmm. skills. So um, after I graduated, I became a high school English teacher in New York City. What? I had How this old idea were you? Like 22 or? <laughs> oh, very young. Yes, 22. As soon as I graduated, um, you know, two months later, I was hired at this school. Um, but, it, you know, I had this, this, I had in mind, like, I would be like Michelle, what's her name? Um, Michelle Pfeiffer yes. in Dangerous Minds. Yeah, I would just go into this inner city school and, you know, inspire people. But, you know, I don't have that kind of personality. And I found it such a challenge. Um, yeah. And I just didn't like the idea of having to discipline um, with a rough group of students who did not want to be there mm-hmm. because they were students who were left behind, actually. So I was, they were repeating the 10th grade, oh, 11th grade. So they were a rough um, bunch. And for my personality, it just wasn't um, a good fit. So I did switch over then to mental health counseling. Um, I got a second master's degree in order to pursue that. Um, And from there, I started working as a children's bereavement counselor. I also worked with adults and and family members as well. Wow. Um, And I also uh, worked at a college setting. When you were still teaching high school and you were thinking about whether to make a switch, how hard was that? Were you kind of beating yourself up for not using your college degree for teaching or did you say, no, I need to pivot. This is not working. Oh, yes. There, you know, there's so much guilt once you've invested a lot of time, education and money in mm-hmm. a particular field. Um, there's a lot of guilt and, and even shame um, yeah. feeling like you wasted that. Um, so I, I had it in my mind, oh, I might, I might stick with it for another five years. I was dating someone at the time and I said, oh, well, let me just stick around, you know, pay for a wedding, pay for whatever comes after that. But then he and I broke up and actually it was very abrupt and he kind of left and fell in love with someone else and married that person. So it was in that moment of like, oh my gosh, the love of my life is gone. Uh-huh. And I realized, I realized no one is in charge of my own happiness. Oh, I can yes. only count on myself. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to just stay in a career that is the wrong fit um, God, for anyone for else's sake. That's huge. So, I, yeah. I, I just listened to um, a podcast. I think her name's Sherry Salerno. Anyway, Sherry she's Salada. Salada. Yes. Um, Oprah's um, yes the beautiful no and she talks about you know how she got she went down one path and got turned down and you know then she ended up taking a job at Oprah just you know because and she started out doing just nothing at Oprah and slowly became the you know one of the chief executive producers I think but Mm -hmm. yeah so you had a I'm sure that was devastating when your boyfriend left and yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, sometimes it does take a little bit of a crisis to make you so uncomfortable that your back is against the wall and you're willing to just try something, um, you know, that's um, a risk. Yeah. So sometimes that's what it takes. But I will say in retrospect that having that teaching experience 
was just invaluable because I, I was crying at the time. I was crying in the, like between periods, I would be in the women's bathroom in the stall (laughs) crying. I was so upset. Um, but it actually, you know, the skills that I learned there, I brought them into so many other endeavors. Um, before I started teaching, I, I was such a shy person and, but it made me do a lot of public speaking. So now I'm comfortable with it, but I was the kind of person, the kind of child who was born afraid, Uh silent, nervous. I wouldn't interact with anyone except for my family. I was the kid who like, I wouldn't even raise my hand to ask to use the bathroom. I was so yes. scared. And I actually, I wet my pants in the second oh, grade. Oh, second grade. <laughs> I just, second grade. Because I just didn't want to yeah. speak. I didn't want my voice to be heard. Wow. So teaching was like, that really taught me, brought me out of that box. And you ended up in New York City teaching a group of ruffians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot. They were really um, great people actually, but they were just a little rough for what I was trying to get them to do. It's funny so. how life, you know, we hear that saying life happens for you, not to you. And mm-hmm. we can look back and say, yes, that was so valuable. And, but I'm sure at the time it was really tough. How did you choose yes. um, therapy? How did you choose your master's program for that and not something else? Um, well, the students, I liked connecting with the students one-on-one and Uh so many of them had family issues that were really preventing them from focusing on academics. So once I realized I preferred the one-on-one and I cared more about their emotional well-being than their SAT scores, um, that's when I made the, the switch and that took me on. So I taught for three years and then I did mental health counseling, grief counseling for about that same amount of time. Yeah. When you were in your first year after finishing your master's and you were doing counseling at that point, did you feel like, yes, this is what I'm meant to do? Or did you still think, I don't know. I had moments of feeling like um, everything was in sync and I was in the right place, but I, I accidentally stumbled upon something that was this shiny object um, catching my attention (laughs) And I was like, oh no, not again. Why do I feel like I want to switch again? This what was this? What was the shiny object? So um, at the time I was engaged uh, to my now husband and I was wedding planning. And yeah. there were all, this was um, you know, 2009. So I saw all these wedding blogs uh-huh. out there. And I realized that these people were making money from their blogs. And yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I said, wow, you can actually... Um, be a writer, you can be online, you can Uh talk about the things you're passionate about and make money from that. It was just astonishing. So um, right as I was finishing my master's and starting my my career in counseling, I started to dabble and experiment with blogging and making money from that. And um, I, and I did once again, I had that feeling of embarrassment because I was like, I can't believe that there's this other thing that seems yeah. more interesting and a better fit for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, so there, there's just, I, I don't think people should feel ashamed of that, but I think it's, I natural. Think it's a natural. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, 
Yeah, I had the same thing where I was like, am I going to be one of those that changes jobs every few years? And I even had, I mean, we lived in different places. So part of it was just moving. But I did have somebody say, they looked at my resume and they said, were y'all in the military? (laughs) And I was like, no. But yeah, I'm the same way where I see a, a shiny object. And I think that's the beauty of life though, is that we find new interest and we're constantly learning and it, um, making or letting ourselves grow and expand. And, mm-hmm. and I think there are different kinds of people. Some people really love and thrive off of the comfort of staying the course. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, that's something I really admire in people. Whenever someone has stuck in their career or they're, you know, trying to work through a, a challenging marriage, it's, I always find it so inspiring because I'm like, I, I just feel like I, my mind goes everywhere. I'm very distractible. And, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, some people to their detriment stay longer. Yeah. And yeah, I've written about the golden handcuffs of a job, like, especially in medicine, you, you went to school, you spent so much time and money on your degree, and then you feel like you have to stay there and you have health insurance and you stay for that reason. Or, you know, you Mm -hmm. just, like you said, to their detriment, they stay longer than they should when their heart or their soul or whatever is pulling them towards this other thing. Right, right. You can see when they talk about it and it lights them up, like when you're talking about writing or, you know, your, your Sibby Threads business, like it lights you up. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a delicate balance because we all have responsibilities to to other people, you know, especially if you have young children and Mm -hmm. you need the health insurance. So um, it's a delicate balance and you really have to assess what you can do. But I definitely... Um, you know, we, we don't know working in grief counseling. I was working with people who I worked for a hospice. Um, so I was always, um, well, no, mostly adults. So the, the, the hospice patients, um, themselves were not children. Um, but you know, in that, in that field, I'm always reminded of my own mortality and how everything we love right now will be gone one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just never know when. So it does light a little bit of a fire under me because yeah. I, I just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So yeah, I wouldn't so say true. to be, I wouldn't say to be reckless. we like I said, we have our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but to not take a little action yeah, seems like, you know, I, I've got to take a little bit of action. Right. Take a baby step. Just try it out. Do it in your free time. Exactly. Exactly. So you did your blog in your free time, I'm guessing, at first. Yes. I I was doing that in my free time. I I mean, I whatever I was doing on the side. So I've had a blog. I've had a counseling practice online. I dipped my toe in coaching online. Uh Um, And now I'm um, starting this this business. Um, and it, and I just started it recently. It's all in my spare time and I have young children. So wow. there is a way, there is a way to, um, experiment without burning your bridges. Yeah. Um, for sure. And even if you have very limited time. When you first started, um, dabbling in this new, you know, owning your own business, your online business, did you, how did you come up with that? Had you owned other businesses or was this your first? I did have, um, well, my husband and I started 
a business. It was actually an Etsy shop based on some products that we had created together. Cool. Um, a children's book that we co-wrote and my husband illustrated because he's an artist. Oh and my an gosh, animator. Kimberly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote a children's book. Yes. Yes. So that was, I'm, it's one of the best things I've ever created. I feel so proud of, of that piece Aww. of work and it's, it's personalized. So we would have, we would feature your child in the book. That so, is so um, cool. Is it still for yeah. sale? Um, it's on pause right now, but our Etsy shop is still there and we still, you know, have customers and repeat customers and stuff. So it's a great, it was a great experience because Etsy is one of those places where you can kind of experiment with selling things, especially uh -huh. if you're a maker. Um, but it, it's, it's, a, it's easy because it, there's templates, you just plug things in and you get yeah. a little bit of a taste of e-commerce. Oh. So I learned a lot from that experience. But um, in terms of my current business, um, you know, I, I get, once again, it was kind of a trauma that that um, turned this turned me into this next chapter of my life. So my daughter, I have a one year old uh -huh. and I had a little bit of depression when I was pregnant with her. And so I was kind of anticipating the um that there would be postpartum depression when yeah. she was born. And, and that's indeed what had happened. So um, I was just really depressed. I, I had this scary thought one day. Um, I just thought, well, does it even matter if, if I continued living? Yeah. Would it even matter? Because I was just so frustrated with my life at the time. Yeah. Um, and to just to kind of back up. I think it was just frustration with where my career was and how I didn't really feel like I was on par with other people my age. Mm -hmm. I felt like other people or, you know, according to social media, right? Right. According to social I, media. According to <laughs> social media, which is all true. Um, you know, I just felt like I should be at a certain place of stability in my life. Uh -huh. Um, but I realized it, my life was kind of out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had these scary thoughts and I recognized them as being red flags right away because of my training in mental health. So right away I started seeing a therapist. Um, and so this was in the fall of 2019. Yeah. Um, and I, and, you know, she's at the time, my very first session with my therapist, she said, um, well, okay, so we're going to work on some of your goals here and get you through this postpartum depression. Yeah. And then, you know, because usually it's, it lasts for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then it, for most people, it does kind of go away yeah. as you balance out your hormones. Um, but I said, I don't, I don't want to get past my problems right now. I just want to stay in therapy because I feel like a piece of seaweed in the water, mm -hmm. just going back and forth, back and forth. People need me to be this type of person. I'll be that. People ask me to do something. I'll do it. No problem. And it had come to a point where like, like you were saying before, life was happening to me. I had no control over, I felt like I had no control over my career path or even my home. Like my mm -hmm. home is decorated to reflect my kids' needs and my husband's taste, yeah. um, just because I, I tend to be very laid back and let other people call the shots and then I mm -hmm. kind of fill in. So it was just this feeling of like, I have no control. Um, so Kimberly, I was journaling. 
I was going to say, you described that so perfectly. I remember like walking past a mirror in a store, you know, like it was a, a column in the middle of the store that had mirrors on it. So I was not expecting a mirror there. And you see yourself and you just think, who am I? Like, yeah, I have yes. kids on both arms and I'm a mom, but really, who am I? Would it even matter if I weren't here? I, I don't know. You describe it yes. so well. And yes. I don't think you're saying you were suicidal or anything, but you were just trying to figure out what's the, what's my point? What's the point? Yes. Yes. I think that when you are doing your very important assignment of raising children, um, you know, you're so laser focused on that. Um, and I think it's probably, especially when they're young and maybe mm -hmm. things will change as the seasons go on and they become more independent, but um, there is still that feeling. And and this is just to normalize the feeling that you can still feel like you are not in touch with your purpose, even if you are raising children and you know that that is your divine assignment. Yes. You can have multiple divine assignments in your mm -hmm. lifetime and you can still feel that emptiness, even though you're doing very worthy work, even if you are a teacher doing noble work or a counselor or mm -hmm. a physician's assistant or a mom. Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily all you have to offer. And I think at some point there's like a reckoning. You can look in a mirror or you can be in your therapist's office and realize there is more. Yes. Oh, preach it. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying you started writing and I know from a previous conversation that you said you, you like to read writing and do your own writing to reflect like, a real life scenario, not just social media perfect. And did that come yeah, from your yeah. postpartum depression? And well, I think I've, I've like I've been I've enjoyed writing for a long time. When I was feeling depressed, um, I was journaling every night. Like I didn't care if it was midnight. You know, I put the kids to bed, clean the house. And then it was 1130 at night, I would still write even if I was tired, because I made a decision that I'm going to really commit, commit myself to something. I didn't know what that thing was. Yeah. So I had, I now have a journal full of just ideas. Like I just started to write out lists. Like, what am I good at? What do I love mm -hmm. to do? What do I like to do? But, you know, I'm not great at just lists. Yes. Yeah. And I was brain just taking dump. an inventory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a brain dump, taking inventory of your life. Um, because I was trying to find, create a little bit of a Venn diagram where I could see that, that section in the middle, that uh -huh. was the intersection of what I love, what I'm good at, um, and what the world really needs. How should I serve? Yes. Um, so lots of months of doing that. Um, and then I, heard a podcast, um, that I found really inspiring. Um, so Kathy Heller's don't keep your day job. Yes. And love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, she's the best. It's the best podcast. Um, still my favorite. Yeah. So I found that very inspiring and she was offering a, a program to help people, um, who wanted to start a business. So yeah. I took the program and I, I did some crazy things to get, to get into that program because um, I finally realized I love being online. I want yeah. to have an online business and I want that flexibility uh -huh. um, in my schedule. 
And I also want the ability to be creative. Yeah. And I don't want to be confined within my profession to appear a certain way or only speak a, a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, and how did uh, yeah. you, when you were thinking about signing up for the program, did you have doubts? Were you like, I don't know, it's expensive. I don't know if I deserve this. Maybe I should just mm-hmm. go back and do therapy or counseling. Well, so this is, this is funny. So I was determined myself, um, but when you're a married person, not yes. all your decisions can be <laughs> based on what you want. Yes. And the program, you know, the program is pricey. So interestingly oh my gosh I say this with love I'm not I'm not dissing my husband over here yeah um but my husband really did not want us to spend that money on the program and um you know and for and for good reason my husband's the same way yeah he's like you can save your money we've recently started giving ourselves an allowance and I'm like Chase it would take me a year and a half of my little puny (laughs) allowance to save for a course you know and he's like well if you want it bad enough (laughs) oh my gosh well here's how I got around and I you know it's so hard it's hard okay you can have your own money blocks and limitations and that's that's a difficult hurdle to get over. Uh But when you're also dealing with someone else's issues and money blocks, that's hard because it's like, it's not like you can change them. You can change yourself. And if you want to get over a money block, you can, but you can't coach your husband to like, you know, trust, trust in the, you know, that's not, that's not um, what I'm supposed to do, you know, and not what I feel called to do. And I don't think it's like right to do just for the Mm -hmm. sake of me getting into this program. So I had to figure out a way to honor what I wanted to do, but also respect our marital relationship and respect his wishes. So um, someone recommended to me, she said, well, why don't you do a GoFundMe campaign? So, um, you know, raise money. (laughs) And I said, oh, wait a minute aren't those kinds of things for like, if you're sick and have medical bills yeah, or treatment. you've had a, uh, yes. Or like your house <laughs> caught on fire or something. And I'm like, I can't do something like that to just to join this business coaching program. And she said, you can do anything you want on those sites. And I'm like, okay. So yeah. I go and check it out. I go and check it out. And, um, so I, I, I'm like, all right, well, let me try it. So I write out this whole campaign. And of course I tap into my writing skills and my storytelling skills. And I create this campaign. Um, and I spent all this time on it. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't post this on Facebook. (laughs) Like, no, what are people going to think? They're going to think like, what? I'm just begging for their money because I just want to take this course. Who does I just got chill bumps because I'm like, do it, do it. You know, like in my head. Well, it's so funny. So I, I posted on Facebook, Hey guys, so this is my dream, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then I took it down after an hour. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) That's Um, so what I would have done. Put it up in the, like early in the morning at 5am when nobody's awake. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't, because you do care about what your, especially your loved ones think about you, you know, but then I told my husband what I did that I took it down and stuff. And then he, of all people who wasn't really in support of the course, yeah. he's like, you better put it back up there because uh, if this is what you really want to do, just do it. So um, I was like, all right, fine. So I put it up and I was able to raise in like three days. There were three days left before you could get your spot in this course. Uh-huh. Within three days, I had 
I had raised um, two thirds of the amount. Wow. And, um, and it was all just from friends, family and coworkers who they, they know my heart. Yeah, you know? people who love you and they want you to, they were betting on your happiness and success, but you weren't exactly. willing to bet on your own yet. Yes, yes, that's, that's what it is. And I think um, people, people are really rooting for you, the people who really love you, Yeah, you know, so, so they, and they want you to succeed. And when they can see that you want to make this change and that it's scary and that there's a lot of risk involved, uh-huh. like sometimes it's a vicarious thing that they're doing because- you know, people wish they could do that themselves. So they want it for you. Yeah. Um, Or the other way I was thinking of it is it's kind of like a bridal shower or a baby shower. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, people just gift you these things. They're so generous because they love you or they've been there before and they know exactly what you need. Um, So I had, I did have this block about around receiving. I'm not good at receiving. Uh I'm like the kind of person who, if I get on a crowded bus and like, someone's taking all the seats with their luggage. I won't even ask them to put it yeah. on the floor so I can sit. <laughs> I'm like that kind of person. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to ask. So this was a hard thing to receive. But when I f- reframed it like the baby shower and the and the bridal shower thing, it, it made more sense to me. And you were like birthing a metaphor of a baby, you know, like you were birthing yes. this new thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, thanks to family and friends, I only had that one third left of it to pay. And my husband said, yes, okay, let's do it. He raised two thirds. So let's do it. So I started the program and it's really thanks to that program that I have this business that I've started. And, um, well, talk about skin in the game. I mean, if, if I'd paid the money, I would definitely want to succeed and I would do all the assignments or all the different parts of the course, but if you have all these people rooting for you and kind of like watching <laughs> from the sidelines, I bet you really brought it. Yeah. Oh my. Well, when you put it that way, now I feel really. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no. Yeah. So there is skin in the game. I think so much of starting a business is not just like what skills you you bring to the table. I mean, that's certainly a huge part of it. But it really is endurance and um, patience and creativity. So um, I can bring that. I might not be the most business savvy person, but I can bring those other three things. And I think that um, my tribe, my community, like Mm -hmm. having their support is helpful, but also being accountable, like you said. And I do share like on Facebook when I'm just um, sharing with, with relatives and friends, I talk about my failures too. Yeah. I'm like, well, this didn't work out or whatever, but um, I'm not too worried about how it appears because I, I feel like when you're just real about your uh-huh. dream, people want to hear that because everyone is chasing their own dream. Yeah. You don't want to just see like all the highlights, you know, I love, mm-hmm. I love hearing the hard parts that I'm more interested in that. I know, me too. Um, from other people. Yeah. Well, when you started the program, did you know that you wanted to do um, an online um you know, t-shirt business for siblings or how did you come up with that? So I came into the program, um, pursuing a different business idea. And then within the program, because it does focus so much on bringing you clarity Mm -hmm. around what you want to do. Um, I kind of pivoted a few times within the program and then Sibby threads was my lat, like 
it was two weeks before the program was ending. And I oh just gosh. had this idea come to my head um, because I didn't want, I didn't really want for various reasons. I didn't want to pursue my original business ideas. Yeah. So, um, and it just came from a problem I had myself where I, I have two kids ages six and one, uh-huh. a boy and a girl. Yeah. And I, we were going to a pool party and I just wanted them to look coordinated so that when I took pictures of them, they wouldn't look like, like they were clashing. Yeah. But I also, but they're not also like, they're a boy and a girl, they're far apart in age. Uh-huh. So I couldn't, I didn't want to like dress them up like twinsies. Yeah. Totally matching from head to toe. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's where I came up with the idea. And I also kind of always had this fantasy for like a couple of years now, of, you know, having a t-shirt line because it's a, it's a space where you can just come up with a million ideas and experiment yeah. and throw a design out there and it's not expensive to just try a new design and experiment so i like the freedom of designing t-shirts that is really cool and you don't have a brick and mortar store to take care of and all the headaches that go along with that you've got this online business that you can work on from vacation or yes, while the kids are in yes. school or whatever exactly and that was very intentional when I was journaling back when I was having my postpartum depression, part of that was um, just trying to write down what I wanted in my life in the grand scheme. Like, what do I want my days to feel like and look mm-hmm. like from 6 a.m. to 12 midnight, whatever? What do I want yeah. to be doing? And when I, when I created that picture for myself, it just didn't seem like it would fit within a traditional career and traditional work hours. Yes. Um, so that's why I was like, oh no, I, I have to create a different kind of life for myself. And I see online business as um, a way to do that. Yeah. And it, y'all, this is important. So I heard her say, if you look ahead and you don't like the path that you're on, you can redesign your path. You can choose different options. You're not stuck. So if you're, my sister-in-law talked about how she kept saying, I just, I envision a life where there's peace in my house and Mm -hmm. her current life was not like that. She was working on the weekends and she was, you know, working before the kids got up and after they went to bed. And so sometimes you don't know exactly what you want, but you know that this current life is not going to work for me. I'd like more, whatever, more time at home, more peace. Yeah, exactly. I think, yes. And a huge part of it is looking ahead at what is the ideal life? What is the ideal day? And then working backwards from there. Yeah. So, and I heard that you got, I don't know if y'all know what a hot seat is, but a a hot seat is where you get a sort of a one-on-one with the the person who's offering the course. And in this case, it's the awesome Kathy Heller. She has a podcast. If y'all haven't listened to it, go listen to it. But so you were taking her course and how did you get a hot seat? So I was just randomly selected as someone who um, would get that, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it was um, to be coached by her individually. And so that was quite an experience because it's kind of like, in the price is right when you get selected <laughs> from the crowd and you're like, come on, Kimberly Eclipse, come on down. And then I'm like in shock. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and it was like, it really felt like I won the, the lottery. So, um, you know, in the hot seat, oh, you still there, Hope? Yeah, I'm I still thought here. I lost you for that. Okay. 
So um, in that hot seat, I got some coaching. I told her what my business idea was and her reaction to the idea, to the concept was the best I could have asked for. She was like, oh my gosh, sign me up, send me your prototypes. I'm such a fan. Um, So that was so encouraging to hear someone who's so successful at business herself, and she has multiple businesses, say that my concept was really cool. And so we went, you know, back and forth on different ideas and stuff. But what I realized after the call is, you know, there are two, there were two hurdles. One of them was a money hurdle, which Uh is, I don't have money and I'm actually not an artist. I'm not a graphic designer. So what the heck kind of person has, has no money and no graphic (laughs) design skills and wants to start a t-shirt business where you need inventory up front. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. How do you ever come that? I know. Well, and that's the thing is during the hot seat, it was less about tactics and more about um, just those blocks of like, how do I do something? How do I reach this goal when I feel like I'm the least equipped person yeah. to do this particular goal? And by the end of the call, um, you know, she was like, so b- because I have a lot of some degree of business experience. So uh-huh. for tac- in terms of tactics, I kind of know some stuff. And by the end, she kind of sensed that we were on the same page and there wasn't that much more for her to share. So by the end of the hot seat, she was like, so what is your question? She was like, what is your question then? And then I said, "Um, I just want to know that even though I don't have money and even though I don't, I'm not an artist that I can do this. And then I just started to cry. Um, And and actually like when I went back and because it was recorded, when I went back and watched the hot seat, I realized that every time I said, I don't have money. Uh-huh. I just started to choke up. I just started yes. to choke up. And at the end of the call, when I really said it out loud fully, I started to cry. Gosh. And so um, just her, by the end, it was like just her belief in me mm-hmm. and the, her confidence in my business idea was all I needed. Yes. It was like that, sometimes that's all you need. It's not that even affirmation. Like Yes, it's the affirmation. And because, you know, whatever you're trying to reach for, you can learn how to get there along the way. You can Uh network, you can learn, but it's like the confidence in yourself um, that really, really allows for you to, to grab what you're, you're going for. And if you don't have that confidence, it's like, it doesn't matter how many books you read or Uh what skills you learn, you're not going to be able to endure the storm of chasing a dream. You're going to be a ship in a storm and you'll just topple over in the sea when the storms inevitably come. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's that confidence in yourself. And like I was saying earlier, I was not born a confident person. You know how some babies, they're just like born (laughs) with that spirit where they're really spunky and whatever. Yeah. You know, and everyone has issues with confidence. Mm -hmm. But I had like an extreme confidence deficiency when I was born. Yeah. That's how my mom describes me as a baby and as a kid. So, um, yeah, so that's just what I've realized in this journey I've had so far is that it's all about feeling that confidence in yourself and feeding that part of yourself, being really intentional about feeding it. That's so cool. And I love how you had like a physical, like it got stuck in your throat. Like you could feel your throat kind of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. 
And I think you'll find whenever you're talking about something really meaningful to you or something really traumatizing, you'll feel it in a certain part of your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll like get it choked up in your neck or your stomach will feel sick. Um, so the body is really a great way to detect, you know, how you're really feeling about things. Yeah. So, and so you had sort of that epiphany where, you know, my, these are just blocks. I can overcome them. I can overcome yes. the finding the resources, finding the money. And then yes, that's been yes. less than a year ago, right? Just a few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I've been through a lot of changes and mindset shifts, I would say in the last year or so. And the business yeah. is getting ready to launch. Yeah. So it's, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, one thing I want to share just to kind of like validate this whole journey, but yeah. also hopefully be an encouragement to people who are listening. I was reading this book that had, it was um, part of my counseling, one of my counseling courses, and it had this guided meditation at the end of it. Uh -huh. So I'm on the subway in New York city, reading this guided meditation and it's asking me to, you know, just close your eyes. Um, imagine that you're in a field and you see a forest ahead of you. I'm like, all right. So I'm imagining this. Hold on to your and purse you and close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Um, so close your eyes, walk into the forest, pay attention to what you see and mm -hmm. what you hear. Suddenly you see someone ahead of you and you approach that person, pay attention to what that person looks like. And it, and it, it instructs you to choose like your same gender. Mm -hmm. So for me, you see, you see this woman in front of you. What does she say? What does she do? What does she look like? So I'm doing this guided meditation, right? And so for, for me, what I saw was this woman who she had long, dark hair and glowing skin. And she was like an angel in dark, dark woods. Mm -hmm. She was sparkling. Her skin was sparkling like in those Twilight movies when the vampires yeah. sparkle, right? So she's just beautiful. And I, and then I said to her in this meditation, I was like, aren't you afraid? Just because mm. she's this woman alone in, yeah. in the dark woods. Aren't you afraid? And then my imagination just had her say to me, no, because I know what I must do. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, that's, that's odd. So I opened my eyes and then I read the end of the of the guided meditation. And it says, whoever you imagined in the woods is you. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have long dark hair. People can't see yeah. me right now, but it You're glowing. was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glowing Cause I have my, my battery operated pillar candle in front of me. Um, <laughs> that's lighting me up. But, um, so yes, yeah, so that was the best version of me oh, in that guided I love meditation. That. And it was so cool. And I was like, that's who I aspire to be is myself. Yeah. I'm not trying to be someone else or look like someone else or be someone else. I'm trying to be the best version of myself. And the best version of myself is here because there's something that I must do, even though I'm afraid. Oh, that is gold. <laughs> love that. <laughs> So that's my divine assignment. And that could mean so many things, but in this season of life, um, what that means for me is I need to take back who I am. I need to pursue what I want and design this life how I, how I want it and not, not let my fear, you know, prevent me from trying. 
Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Cause that was one of my questions was what advice would you give to your, yourself a few years ago or a year ago? And it sounds like it's, you got to show up. The fear will be there, but don't let it stop you. I heard the greatest thing about fear and, and courage. Um, I forget who it, it was that said this, but she said, um, being brave often feels like fear in motion, mm-hmm. something like that, something yeah. to that, to that effect. And basically it's like, well, it's not that you're not afraid anymore, but being brave is just like, you're, you're acting, you're taking action yes. while afraid. Um, and I really like that because I feel like that is a definition that we can all dip our toe mm-hmm. in and we can all try. And even if you were born kind of like meek and mild, like I was, you know, that courage is for people like us too. Yeah. And, I, and I would say, I would say in terms of, you know, like, what would I tell myself, my younger self? Um, I would say, don't wait so long to try something new that you become kind of resentful of yeah. people in your life, people in your life, or wait so long that you feel completely empty and uh-huh. depleted. Like you're just a shell and you don't recognize yourself. Yeah. Um, because y- you know, that that's too long. That's yeah. too long. And you don't, you know, sometimes there's a lot of damage that can happen when you wait too long. That's such good advice. Yeah. You can become bitter against your kids, against your spouse, against your job, you know, until you show yeah. up and, um, take accountability and just say, I'm the one to create the change. If nothing changes, nothing's going to change. Exactly. Exactly. And some of those, some of the bridges you might burn or the um, friction that you create with, with your loved ones, because you're silently becoming resentful or Mm -hmm. just becoming unrecognizable to yourself. It's so painful. And it, and then, and then you have to work on repairing that damage Mm -hmm. that you have with other people and with yourself like, you know, so, um, again, you don't have to wait forever to have the whole plan in place. You can just try now in a, in a tiny, tiny way. Yes. Kimberly, you're going to be the counselor for this podcast. We're going (laughs) to have you on once a week to get, get my mind straight. (laughs) Well, I love, I love being here. And I just, once again, I love hearing your voice. You have like this smooth as, as velvet voice. And then your Georgia accent is so beautiful. I'm like, I should just stop talking and let you do all this. Oh my gosh. Thank you. (laughs) I'll just type out what I want to say. And then, (laughs) and so tell everybody where they can find Sibby threads. Y'all I'm going to make Eli, he's 13. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to get a subscription (laughs) for Eli and Ollie. They'll kill me, but they're going to look so cute. Thank you. Thank you. So um, you can find me at sibbythreads.com. That's S-I-B-B-Y threads, T-H-R-E-A-D-S.com. And I'm also on Instagram um, at sibbythreads. And they should sign up for your email, right? So they can find out like when it's going to be available and... Yes. So hopefully the the doors open for our t-shirt club membership to start in, in February. Yes. Um, I don't know when this this podcast is going to be um, live, but February of 2021. So if you want to at least get a heads up about when we're launching, you should join our email list. Yes. And grandparents can do it. I mean, anybody, this will be so cool. 
Yes. Thank you. All right. So thank we're going to so have much. you back on the podcast, you know, like after sure. you've had a chance to like <laughs> experience the business and I can't wait to hear about it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your enthusiasm and you are just such a natural encourager. I, it's so easy to talk to you. I was I just know. like blabbering. I don't know if my husband would agree, but, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Wow. What a great conversation. Thanks, Kimberly. Here's the take home points. Number one, give yourself a break for not wanting to do forever what the 18-year-old you thought you wanted to do. Kimberly decided teaching high school just wasn't for her. Allow yourself to make a change and release the guilt and shame. You can always use those skills in an, in an entirely different area in the future. Number two, sometimes it takes a crisis to put your back against the wall and force you to take a risk. Like when Kimberly's boyfriend broke up with her for somebody else. She was in crisis mode, but she pivoted. Number three, life will frequent, frequently present you with quote unquote shiny objects. But instead of feeling shame that you're now interested in something new, embrace it. Be curious about it. This is part of your path. Number four, be careful not to stay at a job so long it's to your detriment. It's a delicate balance, especially if you have a family to support. Working with hospice for years, Kimberly reminds us that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't be reckless, but don't avoid taking action either. Do the shiny new thing in your free time. Number five, if you compare yourself to others on social media, it can make you feel like you're not as far, as far along as you should be which can lead to depression and feeling really bad about yourself. Number six, don't let life happen to you. Kimberly described it as feeling like she had no control, like a piece of seaweed floating towards whatever and whoever needed her. No one is in charge of your happiness and your life but you. Number seven, you can have multiple divine assignments, including parenting. Having kids is not an excuse for not taking action. Number eight, let your ideas flow in your journal. Make lists, brain dump, take inventory of your life. This is where you'll figure it all out. Number nine, find the intersection of these three things and magic will happen. Number one, what you're good at. Number two, what you love. And number three, what the world needs. Number 10, if you're not able to bet on yourself, look to the people who love you the most. Kimberly said she had to reframe asking for money as sort of like a baby shower. Let people shower you with love. Number 11, Kimberly talked about starting a new thing and knowing she had three vital strengths, endurance, patience, and creativity. Evaluate your strengths. Number 12, Kimberly used a problem that she had to create a business. Her son and daughter weren't very close in age, but she, their mom, wanted coordinated but not matchy-matchy t-shirts. Number 13, ask what you want your days to feel like. Kimberly journaled about this. She knew she didn't want traditional work hours. Number 14, Kimberly realized her beliefs about money were limiting her big time. She'd been telling herself she didn't have money, that money was a key missing ingredient for her success. But she realized it was her beliefs and her lack of confidence holding her back, not the money. She could always network and figure that part out. She began feeding herself confidence and learning new skills. She says to be very intentional about identifying your areas of limiting beliefs and start doing the work to turn those beliefs around. Number 15, be the best version of yourself. Do your divine assignments despite being afraid. Design your life, people. Don't let fear stop you. Number 16, being brave often feels like fear in motion. It's not that you're afraid and it's not that you're not afraid anymore, but you're taking action while you're afraid. 
Number 17, don't wait so long to try something new that you become resentful against someone or something in your life, like your spouse, your kids, your job. Don't wait so long you become totally depleted, like a shell of the person that you were, and you don't even recognize yourself. And lastly, don't wait forever to have the whole plan in place. Just take a step, despite not having it all figured out. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.